0: welcome to the disney desk everyone i'm carter
1: and i'm sydney
0: and folks this is one of the big ones
1: it's so big that carter doesn't have an intro for it
0: oh i thought we discussed this in advance that i was not gonna do an intro
1: um no (laughs) actually you did not mention that to me i was i am startled right now that uh you're not singing or doing a little skit or making some kind of intro but okay it felt like in
0: slightly poor taste but um all right hold no, on let me no, think of sp- one really quick <laughs> no no now now i'm feeling called out um, okay uh oh shit she's got a podcast
1: Okay. 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 Everything
0: again, everything else I could have picked would have I been see. in slightly poor taste. I, I see. needed something that wasn't offensive or I see like
1: Okay. <laughs> Welcome everyone.
0: <laughs> yes. Um if you haven't uh, picked up on the fact that the episode is titled, um, we are finally reviewing Black Panther Wakanda Forever.
1: Ooh, yeah. we are very excited about this episode. Um, this one might be a doozy for us, but um, it's it's certainly been a big conversation point for us over the last, like, two weeks? Did we see it around two weeks ago now? A week ago? Yes.
0: Something like I that. saw it the week after it premiered, and you saw it opening weekend, I believe?
1: I did, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, there is a lot to cover. Um,
0: yeah, to the point where <laughs> I'm a little scared to even start the episode, as Sydney could tell by my like breathing exercises beforehand.
1: Me as well. Um, you know, I, I debated whether or not I we should talk about this, but like I can still remember um like very distinctly the day that I like called you and I was like, Chadwick Boseman just died. <laughs>
0: No, I, I'm actually glad we're starting with this because, I mean, this yeah. is what the film is about. Like, Right. The moment Chadwick Boseman passed away, there was, other than just not making any more Black Panther movies, which obviously was kind of out of the question, it right. was always going to be about how do you move on after losing Chadwick Boseman. I, yeah, well, one, I was going to say, I really remember us seeing it together. I I saw it before you, and then we went to theaters together, and yeah. I felt like I had this like hot hand. I was like, "Oh my God, Sydney has no idea how right. good this thing is going to be." Right. And it ended up being one of these. It ended up being one of like the best theatrical experiences I had seeing your reactions to everything for the first time.
1: Yeah, this was like before my my real fandom of Marvel. Like I true because I my history with the MCU is is all topsy-turvy in the sense that I, I essentially watched all the films in reverse and I like mm. my sort of journey as a Marvel fan like started with Infinity War kind of like oh, so no, that's <laughs> and that's when I decided that I was really interested in it and I wanted to know everything and started reading comics and things like that so like I was seeing this film like just because I was like black superhero okay I'm there like but probably like a lot of black people honestly um <laughs> that are just like, okay, like we show up for stuff like this, but um yeah, so, so I you know kind of went in blind to the rest of the m c u um you know, for the most part, but yeah, so so fast forward to like going on on Twitter and this announcement his like from from his Twitter page um about his sudden passing I mean like I just remember being completely floored and like the people that I was with that day looking at me like I was kind of crazy
0: oh yeah <laughs> um I just remember like I don't remember what time you called me but I just remember I was playing Fortnite and all of a sudden Joe or someone just went uh Carter did did you know Chadwick Boseman had cancer and I was like what are you talking about he doesn't have cancer and they're like I, I'm reading that he had cancer um, and I was like, "That's eh, it's probably, like, something made up or something. Yeah. I don't know. That seems weird. And then you called me five minutes later and just were, like, really, yeah. like, panicked. Chadwick Boseman died. And I just, I went into shell shock. Like, I, I think by a country mile, it was the celebrity death that affected me the most.
1: Mm. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's, you, yeah, no, you're right. Like, sometimes it can be, I don't know about you, but, like... It can be really difficult to synthesize celebrity death. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it, well, I guess what I mean is, like, I always go back and forth within myself about, like, how much you can be affected by the loss of a person that you never knew. But... Yeah,
0: like the parasocial relationship. Exactly
1: even though there is very it is very legitimate to like mourn someone that you like admire as an as an actor like we we see so much of them and and thanks to social media so much of their lives that like all this to say that there's a lot of reasons that this film that we're talking about today is something that a lot of people need
0: yeah i think it is funny because like so much of what I feel like we've been talking about recently kind of comes to a head with this movie. How, like we've talked about how streaming kind of flat floods everything and how we're desperate for like something that feels like an event again Mm. and just sort of, just sort of the state of media and like how we're, how we approach the theatrical experience going into a, well, theoretically post COVID world. Um, And, yeah, this is the first time I felt, in a long time, I really felt like, this is important. In a lot of ways, like, granted in a very different way than when I saw the first Black Panther, where I was like, oh, it feels like something changed. It Mm -hmm. it feels like the ground has changed in terms of what what the pop culture scene is. Whereas, I had that feeling going into this, but in, like, obviously just such a sadder, more melancholy way, because it was like, oh... We're just going to have to think about how much we just lost and yeah. how much we're not going to be able to get back. Um, so me and Cindy were talking about it, and we decided for this discussion, we are going to do a non-spoiler section. We're going to talk about our general thoughts, um, vague discussions of the plot, but nothing too granular. Like, none of the big twists or, like, huge plot beats are going to be talked about too much. Um, like, basically anything past, like, the 15-minute mark will probably right. be more vague about. Um, and we'll just talk about our general feelings. And then we'll do a separate sort of longer spoilery section where we get into our nitty-gritty. So if you want to go in cold, which I would recommend. I, I, I definitely think this film was helped by the fact that they showed very, very little in the trailers.
1: Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I,
0: I would say listen into to the non-spoilery section, see the film, and then listen to the spoilery section.
1: I would agree, yeah. Um, shall we dive in?
0: Well... Better now than never. It's
1: like neither of us really want to. <laughs> that's the thing. And it's a film I
0: very much like. It's just a hard film to talk about. It's,
1: it like, is. Again,
0: it, it feels like an important film to discuss, and that's why I'm almost like nervous to even try and dig into it.
1: You know, I think the first thing that I want to say, like, leading from everything that we just briefly discussed, is that I, I think this film, as, as the kids say on the internet, you know, understood the assignment. It, it very much, yes. this film and Ryan Coogler and Kevin Feige really understood that this wasn't just about the characters in this universe moving forward, but these are, like, actors and filmmakers that are moving forward without a colleague and a fan base moving forward without, like, a real-life hero. I think this film really understands that this is sort of like this film is a funeral.
0: Yes. Um, Yeah, I was going to say understood the assignment is a perfect way to put it because if there was one job this film needed to do, it was to explain to us why you couldn't recast T'Challa. Yeah. And I tended to lean vaguely more toward the recast side out of like the selfish desire to not see a character I like gone, Mm. but at the same time, this film does an incredible job underlining, like, how strong a presence Chadwick Boseman was, how, like, impactful he was to the MCU, and, like, there is simply no replacing that, no matter how talented an actor you get to fill his shoes. Agreed. Like, this isn't, yeah, this isn't, like, Heath Ledger's tragic passing, where it's like, well, there are people who played Joker before, there will inevitably be people to play Joker again, Mm. like... Like, the face of this, like, groundswell Black Panther created was Chadwick Boseman. Um, And I think as I was ruminating on this, um, I think, weirdly, the franchise most similar for me in terms of the MCU is Guardians of the Galaxy. Not necessarily in tone or structure or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Or even the fact that they're both, like, the strongest ensembles in the MCU. Right. But because they are undeniably super duper personal projects that almost exist in their own little bubble simultaneously in and outside the MCU, where if something happened and Marvel capsized, you could theoretically keep them going by themselves. Right. But also because they are two incredibly strong visions from two very specific creative minds. Like James Gunn has made no buts about how Rocket is very much an insert character. Like, mm-hmm. he very much relates to Rocket and uses him as a way to talk through a lot of his feelings.
1: Mm.
0: And Ryan Coogler was very candid about the first Black Panther film. He was kill. Like, he was like, all right, T'Challa is already established. Everyone likes him. He is, like, the role model in this universe. I'm going to put all of my feelings about, like, a theoretical being black. secret black society. Yeah, being black. <laughs> finding out that there was a secret society that could have helped me and chose not to right. through Killmonger's eyes. And this film, like, if the actors were to just start saying Chadwick instead of T'Challa, it would have the same emotional effect. This feels 100%. like a film where both Coogler and his writing team and the actors are all trying to process a pretty traumatic thing that happened to them.
1: Mm -hmm. on top of the fact
0: that it happened concurrently with a plague Mm -hmm. and, in a lot of ways, just completely changed their lives.
1: Agreed. That's a really good take. I mean, I would have never thought to compare this to Guardians of the Galaxy, but it is true in that their ensembles are so strong that they really could exist without the MCU if they really wanted to. At first glance, Mm -hmm. you may even assume that they do. But... um, yeah, I I actually was unfamiliar with um with that take for, about Ryan Coogler but it makes so much sense because as a black person myself, I always like saw so much of myself in Killmonger. And right. and saw saw so much of that's what I hope everyone understands about Black Panther is that like yeah, we all identify with that character the most. Like yeah, that that is the self-insert <laughs> in this in this franchise. Um, yeah, what else do we have?
0: Well, I was just going to say, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the opening scene and like just sort of the, the, and I do kind of wish they revealed this in the trailers because I will say the opening scene is actually pretty triggering, both from, oh, we are going right into it, like we are not shying away from what's happened.
1: You know, I, I respect more, (laughs) I respect Marvel keeping a tight lid on this film and truly giving us crumbs to work with in terms of trailer and like footage of this film before it released, but yes, I would have like like truly fastened your seatbelts as soon as it started. Like, no, we're we're dealing with this. Like, here we are.
0: Right. Right. Um, yeah. Again, I will say like so the opening of this film. It's immediately explained. T'Challa is dying. He is sick. Right. They're not like they're not separating these two things. Right. He is sick of some undisclosed illness, and it is the eleventh hour. Right. Um, Shuri is frantically trying to find a way to stop this, and fails. And then we immediately go into the funeral, and as his casket is taken up into the sky by a Wakandan ship. Then we get the opening Marvel role. Um, right. And, yeah, they immediately throw you in the deep end. And, <laughs> yes. yeah, I'll say it simultaneously emotionally prepares you for the kind of film it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's some of the best filmmaking Ryan Coogler has ever had in his career. Agreed. In terms of getting you to be in the eyes of a character and feeling what the characters are feeling. Like, um, but at the same time, yeah, it's, it's a lot to have yes. your first five minutes, especially in the context of the last film being Thor Love and Thunder, right. which, you know, for people complain about the tone, but I appreciate that it was very jokey, because otherwise it's just a movie about someone dying of cancer.
1: Right, essentially, yeah. Someone dying of cancer and someone being clinically depressed, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, like, I, like, I don't... I don't think I'm going to have a more emotionally affecting moment um, in a movie theater this year. And like, I've seen a lot of good movies this year, but that bit where Wakandan Doctor just tells Shuri flat out, hey, you should really be by your brother's side right now. Yeah. For a number of reasons, and maybe we'll get into it a little later, that -hmm. that hurt.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: And I think, as we talked about the ensemble, like, as much as it hurt, you have to start with that scene because it does underline as in, and I feel like we talked about this a little bit with our phase four discussion. Um, what I like about this phase was that it leans into the fact that there's no central team. That our, right. f- like, sort of father figures are gone. Mm-hmm. And sort of a whole lot of different corners of the MCU that we haven't even really t- discovered yet are slowly creeping into view, looking to capitalize on the fact that we don't have a central figure. Right. Um, like, we jump around a lot in this movie from, like, basically all of the main characters from the last film get their moments to shine and sort of have their little section where they get to process what all of this has meant to them. And at the same time, the fact that we don't have Chadwick Boseman here, who really, like, it really just underlines how strong a central figure he is, where it's like, oh, there is no, like, chachala was the noble one here. He was right. the one who probably could have picked up Mjolnir. He was the one who would fix this and absolutely make the right decisions. Now we don't have that person. We don't know how any of this is going to break.
1: Yeah, you know, it's so interesting from from a- after the dust kind of settles after this this funeral sequence. Somehow this film captures this impending sense of doom. Yes. R- really well. <laughs> It, and life sort of carries on around our main characters. But there is something, like, in the atmosphere. I don't know how yeah. they... So, something is just, like, creeping in from the outside. Even even before, you know, our antagonist is introduced. Somehow, they really capture this sense of time running out on on something.
0: Yeah. And I do... I think it's interesting because Coogler has talked a little bit about what the film was before we lost Chadwick. And a part of me is like, is it even worth talking about that? Because it's like, we'll never yes. see that version of the film. But he does say a lot of this tone was still there. It was more about T'Challa grappling with the fact that he lost five years of his life with his kingdom
1: mm-hmm. and
0: how the world kept going. And now it just feels like everything's off kilter. Apparently Namor was always there um and it was a somewhat similar film but obviously without this central question of how does wakanda move on mm. um speaking of the antagonists i will say i i really love this film in terms of like and like people compared the first one to like shakespearean drama i think mm-hmm. this captures that as well in terms of like not just the ensemble all getting their big moments of soliloquizing and like monologuing, but also Mm -hmm. the fact that we have, like, I don't know, the the drama is this, even though it's an intimate story about dealing with loss, it's this huge kind of epic in terms of like, I was going to describe it
1: as an epic as well, actually,
0: all of these world governments being like, hey, so um, sorry that you lost your son, but he made us a lot of big promises. And if you don't start delivering those, we're not going to keep asking,
1: we're going to come a knocking. in, Yeah. And this was, you know, my favorite. (laughs) I'm glad that I I really appreciate that we didn't get to, like, sulk for too, too long. And we immediately got thrust into a a fuck around and find out sequence.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Like, right away. There's still that sense of, like, uh, inner strength that comes from somewhere with with Wakanda and and its people. Mm -hmm. And its leaders that are left, you know.
0: Yeah, I do think there's incredible, I do think there's incredible balancing act of, as heartbreaking as this film is, it understands when we need moments of levity or right. moments of action to be like, no, there's still people here. Like, it, it doesn't let us go off the deep end right. to, that we can't swim back safely. Right. Um, And then, obviously, sw- swimming, the pun. Uh, right, there you go. That brings us to our real antagonist, Namor. Um who very much follows in that he's basically adopted the Killmonger worldview of...
1: Yeah, the thesis of this film is actually, like, colonialism hurts everybody.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and and that's, again, that's, like, sort of the Shakespearean epic to it, where it is, like, basically we are seeing two different kingdoms who have been affected by colonization in different ways.
1: Mm -hmm. Can I just say that how much I appreciate that Black Panther 2 doubles down on its, like, see racism message you know because they've like I feel like in a franchise like Black Panther its sequel could very easily pick something else to focus on but it it instead just like double circles the racism bad narrative that underlines everything
0: yeah you could have just made it more of like an action-y romp you could have just made it more about the characters but it's like No, no. The story of Wakanda is the story of colonialism. Right. Like, imperialism has shaped every facet of our world, and it's also shaped every facet of this fictional world, whether we want it to or not.
1: Exactly. Whether we're we're willing to see it that way or not. Yeah. Yeah. And when this
0: once like as they continued on with this movie i was really worried like as they were developing it post chadwick boseman i really worried was worried it was going to just become a cameo fest i thought it was going to be Mm. because there were also rumors that dr doom is in it um spoilers dr doom is not in it sorry guys (laughs) um for people who feel like you need a certain amount of cameos to make a movie good
1: can i Um, just say this has nothing to do with what you're talking about but if i never see dr doom in the mcu i'd be fine Right, I
0: as much <laughs> as I want to see him, I'm also kind of like I, I got so tired of people being like, "Is this where Doctor Doom is going to show up?" And I'm just like,
1: "Why do you guys I, really I, want him that badly?" Yeah,
0: I've, I've had three shit Doctor Dooms already. i I just I don't need to see one for a very long time.
1: Doctor Doom is the campiest villain. Something about him is is the goofiest to me.
0: Like, I love him. I love the name Doom. And I love this idea that he has the tiniest scar on his face and he goes full Phantom of the Opera. Like, it's not like, he doesn't look like the Phantom of the Opera. He's not like a skull man. Right. But, like, he's just like, oh, I basically have the equivalent of a six-year-old falling off his scooter and hitting his head on the pavement. Right. Uh, I guess I'm wearing a mask for the rest of my life. But, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of ambivalent about it because, you know, again, the MCU's success is they took characters who weren't as mainstream and made them mainstream. We mm. don't need... But anyway, like, I was worried it was going to be all that kind of stuff. It was mm-hmm. going to be introducing all these new characters. So to the point where I was even a little antsy about Namor. And instead, one, they simultaneously let him be as campy and silly as he was in the comics. He's still a man in a green speedo. Yeah. Who's...
1: He's still... Who can't
0: seem... Every other pose of his is, like... Like, he's just trying to look hot.
1: Yeah, Um, very much trying.
0: (laughs) He still has the silly little feathers on his feet. Right. Um, And yet he's the most intimidating character the MCU's had in quite a long time.
1: I'll say, yeah. And, you know, I was actually kind of... I wouldn't say that I was worried about Namor, but, like, my understanding of him as a comic book reader was not that he was anybody's villain. Ever. So I was confused about how he would be the bad guy in this film. Obviously, I understand how, and I still don't. I even, I still, well, much like Killmonger, it's hard to call them a villain because sometimes yeah. they they feel quite justified in, in their objective. Um, but I just always a, saw him as a douchebag that was like, just felt like Constantly that he was... was
0: trouble for our main characters?
1: Yeah, because he felt that he was better than everybody else. And, like, well, he sort of literally is better than everybody else because he's, like, a perfect, like, human mutant thing. Yeah. Um, so he kind of has earned the right to, like, turn his nose up at, at like, mortals. Um, and that's that was my understanding of him going in so when i heard that he would be the antagonist here i really had no idea what to 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 expect i do want to say um how i never knew that i like wanted to see a dude with little wings on his feet <laughs> fly around yeah. in the mcu but i totally do
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's funny because it's like look i like the old school comic stuff. I like the goofier stuff. I like the golden and very early Silver Age stuff. But at the same time, Namor only interested me because he was like an OG Marvel character. Yeah. I was like, well, he was around when Captain America was around. So you got to include him. But whoever came, whoever was in, like, well, it was probably Ron Kugler, But whoever pinpointed, hey, what if we make them Aztec? Like, what if the whole mm-hmm. vibe is like Mayan Aztec aesthetic? It's the same like, it's the same energy of someone going, like, what if we just make Moon Knight look like an actual mummy? Just, like, yeah. that is why they're great. That's why we love the MCU. Right. Because it takes this comic stuff, comes up with a new spin, and makes it a hundred times better than it was before.
1: Right. Um, or or they, they make... take the comic stuff and they're like, what if we did this just literal? Like, <laughs> what if we approach right. it at total face value and just made it live action?
0: Yes, and that's, like, the incredible balancing act of the MCU, where it's simultaneously super-duper comic accurate, and then they're, they'll just see one thing, and they'll be like, no, this is dumb. We can do this better.
1: Right. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, and to the point of, like, him being a villain, like, we just I've seen, you know, because, like, the Black Adam sort of memory is still in full swing in my little pockets of the internet, and, like... They hyped him up as being an antihero, but in reality, he's just a guy who's occasionally a dick, but still yeah. ends up doing the right thing every single time. Whereas, like, Namor is actually what an antihero looks like, where it's like, okay, so he's objectively trying to do something good. He, again, he's adopted the Killmonger view, and he is basically, why don't we preemptively strike? Yeah. Like, you know, let's not wait till, what well, what Wakanda did, where it became untenable and they kind of had to reveal themselves to the world. Let's just get hit them first and then we don't have to worry about this. Oh, right. Um, and he just objectively does evil evil thing. Like he does bad things that you can only see the thinnest moral justification for, but right. at the same time the end goal is generally noble. And I like that bouncing act they do with him. Me too. And they they
1: always underline all of his scenes with showing him in these really tender moments with even with Shuri, but he, but especially with his own people.
0: Yeah. And again, that's the key of Namor. He's simultaneously the like biggest asshole you'll ever meet but right. I saw he's just so damn charming. He really so is. <laughs> um and in general, I, I this is simultaneously a this is simultaneously like a positive and a criticism for me. I do wish we saw more of his kingdom, uh Tolicon. Um mm. because on one hand, aesthetically brilliant. Like we have one scene where we're traveling around and I love that like I really really like that they lean into how scary the ocean is.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Like this isn't Atlantis. This isn't like golden people in a golden crystal city. This isn't the little mermaid. Right. No, these people have become mutated by being underwater. They're blue. They're like huge. Uh, Their kingdom is dark as hell. They had to make an artificial sun just so they can see. Like I I like that gets back to that Lovecraftian, like fear of the deep thing where it's like, oh yeah, there are billions of things we haven't discovered down there that are beyond mankind's ability to describe them. Um particularly the first scene we meet um the Tolekans, uh is that their do they call themselves Atlanteans? they don't call themselves Atlanteans, right?
1: Not I don't think they ever mention Atlantis at all in Yeah. In this film.
0: A fish hook. Yeah. yeah. The first scene we meet them, and we can talk about that in spoilers, but right. uh genuinely terrifying.
1: Yeah, um, bone chilling. Oh my god. <laughs>
0: And my only nitpick for them is I do wish we had more time to flesh. I don't want this to be like a half and half movie where we get half Wakanda, half Talakon. Right. Because it's called Wakanda Forever. Right. But at the same time, I think about how like fleshed out and great the ensemble of Wakanda is. Mm-hmm. Whereas other than Namor, we meet like two named characters, uh, like his Namora, and I forget what the other guy's called, but he has like a shark helmet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm just like, I don't feel like I know you as well as I did like, like, M'Baku or Nikita from the last film. I feel like I don't know you guys.
1: Yeah, this, for me, like, mirrors um, Thanos in a lot of ways. I feel like I have a lot of comparisons for Thanos and Namor, in, in the sense that, like, they hang out with these guys, like...
0: <laughs> yeah, they just got a little posse. Right.
1: <laughs> and who so all have their one thing. They show up with their posse, and their posse's thing is shit-talking. And, like... Yeah.
0: <laughs> They're there to shit talk and have one super move that they break out as necessary, right?
1: But ultimately die, <laughs> like
0: yes, yeah, ultimately get freaking knocked.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I when I was watching this, I was like, this feels so much like Infinity War, and like we're going on a journey and we're picking up people along the way. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it, it does have that, like, epic scope of, like, we're not going to be in one place for too long. We're yeah. constantly on the move. The stakes are somehow constantly getting raised right. until we get to the big final confrontation. Um, on that note, I will say, too, I really, on one hand, I feel like the coverage on the action isn't as clean as it was last time. Like, sometimes I'm i would like, agree. did you not have time to get another camera angle for this? Like, were you running on COVID schedule so you just didn't have time? But at the same time I really like the action because of how crunchy it is. Like
1: it's one of those difficult to watch but in, yes. the, in it's difficult to watch but not impossible to sit through.
0: Yeah. If it's that makes like sense. enjoyable but brutal. Yeah. Um, Agreed. And I feel like, in general, that's something the MCU has really improved on with this phase, where, like, fights feel like they have impact now. It's, like, I think they took the criticism of, like, oh, it's CGI rubber slapping against each other to heart. Right. (laughs) Because, like, the fight at the end of Shang-Chi is, like, just clean, crisp, like, most of the action in that movie is clean, crisp, like, actual martial arts Mm. with a lot of practical effects and, like, you know, people actually getting hit. Um, Eternals, again, I picked the two you haven't seen yet. Um, I know. Eternals in particular... Uh, with Makari, who's the super speedster of the group, they're like, no, let's not do bullet time, let's not do slow motion, let's just show you how hard it would hurt to have someone moving faster than the speed of sound grab you and immediately smash your head into a mountainside. Like, think about how hard that would hit. Um, Spider Man 4, all the stuff with Green Goblin in oh. like the Sam Raimi movies, where it's like, oh, these are just two people stronger than all of, like, superhuman strong, just right. beating each other to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, Like, there are just multiple shots where the audience just winced. Like, that looks like it hurt badly. Like, this is just people who who can lift cars hitting each other as hard as they can over and over again until one of them can't get up. Um, Is there anything else you want to talk about in the non-spoilery section?
1: I'm realizing as this conversation is going on how much of what I want to talk about is spoilery.
0: (laughs) Right. I do feel like the spoilery section is going to be a lot longer. And yeah, she sure. wants to save a handful of things like Riri Williams and mm-hmm. um, sort of her place in the plots. And like, honestly, I think we kind of covered all of like the basic stuff. I mean, do you want to just give your general non spoilery like final yes. Like, opinion?
1: Yes. I, I can say confidently that I think that this film is perfect in what it sets out to do for mm. Um, its fan base, and it it sort of sets a standard of excellence going forward for the MCU. I think honestly, I think I described this to you as the MCU's best film, and to be honest, I stand by that. <laughs> I don't, you know, you may feel differently. I don't know, but I think this is the best they've ever made. Mm
0: well for me it's tough because there's just so many of these damn things now i never know how i rank them. True. I change my ranking every other day but i will say in terms of like in terms of the films it definitely is up there with guardians 2 for me in terms of like this is the most human and blunt yes. and real the mcu's ever gotten like this feels like the mcu like it, like someone took the restraints off and just let an artist create yes and The result is something painful and harsh and tragic and sad and a little hard to absorb at times, but it ends up being something beautiful and, like, we are so lucky to have it as a mainstream blockbuster film. Like, you don't get to be this raw in blockbuster filmmaking anymore. Right. All right. And um, tune in soon and you will also get our spoiler-filled review. See you in a bit.
1: The Disney Desk is written, produced, and edited by Sydney Nicole Barkley and Carter Glace. Please follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk or send us an email at podcastdisneydesk at gmail.com. Want to support the magic? Use the link in the show notes to make a donation to the Disney Desk podcast. We would greatly appreciate it.